Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that's brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. And Frank, uh, we have finally, it feels like, reached the off-season, off-season, which it actually doesn't feel like we've had an off-season for about 18 months or two seasons, really, even though we had that long delay uh, last year, obviously, when the season shut down. But we're in the dead of the off-season, which obviously isn't going to last long. We're going to continue to go through mailbag questions. We've got some, uh, some interesting questions to work through later on in the show. But we're going to talk baseball to start this episode today. A bit of baseball news over the weekend. First of all, Giannis has joined... The ownership team, I, I believe that's how they've, they've worded it, the ownership team over at the Milwaukee Brewers, which seems like a, a pretty good time to get on board the Brewers. They're absolutely flying at the moment. And then secondly, in a little bit of uh, fun social media footage, there was probably some Bucks fans that were in the building. Bobby Portis threw out the first pitch the other night. Uh, I believe it's the first Bucks player to throw out a first pitch since the uh, what I'll just call the Pat Connaughton incident. But the Bucks getting involved with the Brewers as they are hopefully heading towards the World Series. So that was fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the interesting backstory of this is that it sounded like this sort of took root actually in the bubble last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been kind of in the works for a long time, and it sounds like it was. Um, I don't know if it was done by by May, but it, it's not like they won a championship and then Giannis was like, oh, maybe I'll go invest <laughs> in the Brewers. Um, this this has been in the works for quite some time. And, you know, there's been, um, you know, shots of, of Christian Yelich in particular and, and Giannis, you know, meeting up after Bucks games um, and once or twice, you know, and, and them kind of Instagramming at each other and things like that. So, you know, there, there's at least a little bit of history, um, but obviously Giannis, you know, does not have a lifelong connection to baseball in the way that, you know, some, some, uh, you know, American players might, or not just Americans, but, um, you know, like obviously, as you mentioned, Connaughton, who despite his really bad first pitch was actually (laughs) a college baseball pitcher who got a minor league deal with the Orioles and, you know, has a real deep, deep, uh, you know, connection to baseball. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so so there, there's obviously um, not not that same kind of history with Giannis in the sport of baseball, but uh, interesting, you know, him citing kind of this idea of, I mean, I think a couple things. I think one, um, you know, him thinking about what does he want to do long term once basketball is over, and um, certainly following in the footsteps of uh, other famous athletes investing in in sports teams. I mean. I guess a couple notable examples, Aaron Rodgers investing in the Bucks, right? So one MVP investing um, from 
the NFL into the Bucks. Now an MVP investing from the NBA into the Brewers. We'll have to see if Christian Yelich buys like a couple of those, you know, uh, uh, pieces of paper that say you're a shareholder in the in the Packers or whatever. Now he's got the easiest task, I guess, uh, if he wants to kind of complete the the holy trinity of uh, Wisconsin sports MVPs investing uh, in one another's franchises. Um, but that was certainly interesting. And then uh, I think just the uh, you know the idea of um, you know Giannis's comments, which again, it's just like how much more can this guy endure himself to us as, you know, for, for those who are Wisconsinites, Wisconsin sports fans, uh, you know, him talking about, you know, Milwaukee, you know, raising him, investing in him and, and him not wanting to invest back in Milwaukee. I mean, it's just like, Jesus, Giannis, like, could you be any more perfect? You know? <laughs> so, uh, so the summer of Giannis, um, you know, even, even without NBA basketball, uh, the summer of Giannis continues, uh, and the momentum continues. So just a, a very, very unexpected and fun um, way for Giannis to insert himself into uh, a really, really awesome brewer season so far. And, um, you know, obviously uh, I, you know, I, I still have to pinch myself a little bit that the Milwaukee Bucks won an NBA championship. Now the idea that, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers will have their best chance of winning a world series and, you know, however long uh, forever, right. Cause they, they never have. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Shaping up to be an awesome summer for, for Wisconsin sports. We see here Packers restarting as well. So, um, so yeah, good, good times at the ballpark and some, some unexpected, uh, Bucks connections, which I guess continued on with, uh, with Bobby Portis as well. So as an outsider to Wisconsin sports and, and obviously I've followed them pretty closely here for the last few years, but long-term as an outsider and someone that's, um, obviously didn't grow up in Milwaukee. It's been interesting to me and and kind of cool. And it's obviously coincided with the Bucks playing well, but we've always seen Brewers players when they can uh, get into Bucks games. Clearly, the Packers have been uh, leaders of the uh, the Fiserv Forum fan experience during postseason runs over the last few years as well. So it's always been really cool to see the support. But the point that you made about the fact that this was something that was in the burner for a little while with Giannis and there was discussions with the Brewers. It wasn't lost on me when we think about only back to last December when Giannis was uh, making his decision of where he was going to play. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's, this, this was not something that, that just came up out of nowhere. You, you spoke about the comments he made about wanting to pay back Milwaukee and Milwaukee being home for him. Uh, it, it is just interesting. I, I wonder at some point in the future, down the road, when we will get a, a more in-depth story of, of how that extension happened, whether or not he even had any real thoughts of going anywhere else. But all these little things and, and some of the things he says, and of course, it's easy to say uh, the comments like he has after the fact and, and, it's, and it all sounds great. And as you said, it's all perfect if you're a Milwaukee sports fan. But it is interesting just to think about the stress that was uh, taking over Milwaukee Bucks fans uh, really less than a year ago. Yeah, it still feels like an eternity, right? To think back to the start of last season and just the, you know, the arc of the last year, right? Because right now we're we're kind of getting right to the, right around that point when you know the Bucks season last year ended, given that the bubble pushed pushed everything out so far. So to think about the the depths of you know the trough they were at following that loss to the Heat in the second round last year, and just the series of events that happened thereafter, right? From Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich, but the high and low of that, you know, week, uh, all the way through, 
you know, the, the drama of, of would Giannis sign that extension before um, the start of the season through a really, really long, long NBA season. And then what seemed like an even longer playoffs. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to believe that, that all that's, you know, happened in, uh, in just a year. And we should say, and on the topic of, of, you know, ownership, I was going to mention as well. Um, you know, can you as an Australian have invested in the bucks and uh, you know, Chris Middleton, as we've, as we've mentioned has, is now investing in, in UK and well, maybe not you, but <laughs> in Australia with uh, uh, part ownership of the, the Brisbane bullets um, of the NBL. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, kind of cool. That's not, that's not quite as cool as, as investing in the brewers, but, um, but uh, you know, I think just a recurring theme here we're seeing of, and I think it's a cool thing, right. To see athletes, go from, you know, not just being guys that, that make big salaries, but now are increasingly investing the way and, and hopefully long-term, you know, given the way that, that franchises have just sort of continually appreciated over, not just, especially over the last, you know, f- five, five years or so across all the major sports, the TV deals and everything else, you know, sports have just become even that bigger, big of a, you know, bigger investment target for a lot of these super wealthy folks. But um, to see players continuing to kind of be able to be a part of that, I think is, is a good sign, you know, as someone who, you know, I, I'd say it's a good thing for sports. If ownership is not just reserved for, you know, old, old white dudes who, you know, made a bunch of money in finance or whatever, um, or whatever it might be. I think having, uh, having athletes be part of those investor groups as well, I think is a, is a good thing for the sport. So, um, so yeah, that was cool. And, and Bobby Portis, I have to say when Bobby seeing Bobby Portis's first pitch um, from like the, the, from like the home plate angle didn't look like a great first pitch, but then I saw the reverse angle and it was like a strike. So shout out to Bobby Portis, you know, when you're six ten, six eleven, you don't really have to, you know, really wind up and, and really throw hard, I guess, to, to throw a baseball, uh, you know, 60 feet, six inches or whatever. So Shout out to Bobby, the summer of Bobby, and the summer of Giannis. I mean, it's also kind of the summer of, of Bobby. And uh, I mean, if you're Bobby Portis, you just gotta you just gotta take every chance you can here, right? First pitches, get out there, start kissing babies. You know, like uh, Bobby should be like, you know, opening. Speaking of, I mean, Bobby should be like opening, you know, some car washes, some fast food restaurants, cutting some ribbons. You know, just 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 make the most of this, Bobby. This is a uh, this is like peak Bobby Portis this summer. And and I actually thought he looked like the way that he threw that pitch. He looked like a position player that was like pitching the ninth inning. Like he, he was, yeah, it was careful. It was pretty careful, I think. But honestly, I would go the careful route before I go the Nelly take out a uh, young social media lady as uh, a <laughs> and went. I mean, listen, I, I, I've never brought That's it so up. crazy that like the worst, the worst, the worst Bucks first pitch came from, a guy who had a professional baseball contract that remains so bizarre. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to be too presumptuous because has yeah. Giannis ever thrown out a first pitch? I don't, I, I know John Henson has, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember if, if, if Giannis has thrown out a first pitch, but I don't, let's just say, I don't know that Giannis, um, it would do a great job either. I, I saw him, I think it was at a Yankees game, what a year or two ago, his brothers were in New York for like his shoe launch. And, yeah. um, they did not look like they knew how to swing a baseball bat, but, um, but yeah, it, uh, that, that Connaughton first pitch was, uh, left something to be desired. Well, Pat did tweet Giannis and said we we'll have to play baseball, and he's been working on his pitching. So that's uh, you know maybe maybe they'll give Pat another chance. I would like to see that redemption story over the next couple of seasons, perhaps at some point. I wonder if Pat Connaughton would be sweating if he was on the mound 
if he had to do that first pitch again, you would think not. You would think that he wouldn't be. You know, this is a this is a high level baseball player. Let's be honest. But if he is, I've got some news for him. He can talk to our friends at Sweatblock, and specifically, perhaps Sweatblock wipes are the type of thing that he needs. Sweatblock wipes are doctor created. They're doctor recommended. They work for up to seven days per use. And there's a dry shirt or a dry baseball jersey guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry you get your money back because we know there's few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you are sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing. Some of you may know, and I've said this before, the Milwaukee summer got a hold of me. I dealt with it. I couldn't be wearing gray t-shirts out at Summerfest. I was sweating like a maniac. So anyway, if you've been in that position before, you can use Sweatblock Wipes. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon. Uh, or CVS, you can also get the sweat block wipes there as well. And then go across to betonline.ag. Uh, the betting over and under win totals are up at betonline.ag. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, but it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including. BetOnline.ag's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day. Super promo equals make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose... Your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only, that is, uh, when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Uh, I said we were going to get to some questions here, so we can we can dive into this uh, now. And uh, look, it is the off season. I'll keep saying this. So if you if you want to keep sending questions through, you can tweet me, you can tweet Frank, you can tweet uh, at Locked On Bucks as well. Although I'm I'm not going to lie, we we don't actually have access to that account. You might have noticed that it's been a little bit dormant for a while. I don't I don't know, I don't know what to do about it, Frank. I've tried to get onto Twitter. I can't get the account back. It's a very sad day for Locked On Bucks. But anyway. You, you can reach us with those questions. You can also email lockedonbucks at gmail.com. And I figure today we start with a question from Dave Nordstrom because I'm not sure, and, and we'll get to it, but I, I think it's more of a, a developing question. We've probably covered some of the aspects of this over the last couple of weeks, but nonetheless, it's interesting. He says, will the Bucks' inability or unwillingness to develop cheap young players hurt them? as they try to contend over the next few years as their core three gets older and more expensive. So he said inability or unwillingness. I would be leaning towards inability more than I would unwillingness. I mean, I think generally when you look at contending teams, there's not a lot of rookies out there playing. There's not a lot of young guys getting a chance to simply develop and play through their mistakes. It's generally just the the nature of a Bucks team. But Frank, there's no question. We've spoken about it. When it comes to the tax, when it comes to the solo cap situation this team is going to be in, if you can find diamonds in the rough, if you can find young guys that become rotation players, it becomes pretty critical to extending 
uh, that window that you hope as long as you have Giannis goes for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's kind of two different things too, right? I mean, when I look at the period, you know, Giannis is really um, the obviously the crown jewel of the franchise. You pick him 15 in 2013, and then thereafter, the first round picks. I mean, the next few years, it's ugly, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. just look at the fact that you end up. Uh, well, what was, geez, was Vaughn 17th? In uh, in 2015, obviously Jabari first in 2014. I'm like I'm I'm like blocking out Jabari here, but you know you get you, you basically whiff completely on the number two pick that you've been waiting to get for so long, right? And the number 15 pick from the year before ends up being this transcendent player. But from the Jabari pick through Rashad Vaughn, uh, through Vaughn um, Maker to DJ Wilson, I mean that's a pretty a pretty incredible well i don't want to say incredible because the, the draft is a crapshoot but i mean that's a pretty rough run of four guys four guys there right i mean um you know you technically did include thon in that trade that ended up bringing in miritich um you know technically dj wilson's contract was used in uh in the trade that that brought pj tucker here but for the most part i mean you know you got four guys there that were top 20 picks and including a number 20, a number two overall pick and a 10th overall pick who, you know, were pretty much complete washouts in the NBA. Right. I mean, look, look at where those guys are now. Jabari, I think technically is still on the Celtics, but has an unguaranteed, and I think his contract is non-guaranteed. Um, you've got Thon who's talking about 50, 40, 90 or 50, 50, 90, but isn't on a team. Rashad Vaughn is where, where was he? Lithuania, I think. Some someplace in the Baltic Adriatic uh, region of Europe, um, and DJ Wilson last we checked, I think was also without a team. So um, that was a rough stretch. And I mean, I've said it that if if Giannis never won a championship in Milwaukee, we'd look back on those first round picks that they had. And look, the obvious retort is going to be like, well, you you drafted Brogdon in 2016 at the same year that you had Thon, so just act like they're flipped and all of a sudden your draft history looks a lot better. That's absolutely true. I mean, the, the Brogdon pick was obviously a home run, relatively speaking, even if you, you know, factor in that they ended up, you know, essentially just swapping him for a later first round pick <laughs> a few years later. So it's not like they got, you know, the real value of Malcolm Brogdon for, for ultimately, you know, what, what, you know, long-term, but um but the fact that they kind of had those that run of four first round picks and really didn't come away with anything that either you know was going to be a long term fixture in Milwaukee or that they could trade for real value, um, that was obviously something that that's that's tough, right? I mean, that's tough to overcome. And I, I think more recently, um, you know, Divincenzo obviously has been, I'd say, a very solid pick uh, at that spot at 20, 2018. You know, again. You can argue Kevin Herter, a couple other guys may have been better picks, but we're not. T- it's not like they they had like a superstar that they just like stupidly passed on or something like that there. Um, and then and then you start getting this period where obviously some of the kind of you know maneuvering for cap space, like when they traded away the pick involving John Lure so that they could resign Brooke Lopez and George Hill and all that stuff. So you start to get into kind of like these murky waters where, you know, now you're like trading away picks to, you know, essentially subsidize your win now campaign, which I think we'd all agree. Like, yes, the future is now, like you, you should be trying to win now. So I think those are two sort of very different periods. There was sort of the just 
you know, that, that streak of, of first round picks that you kept and you just, you just basically whiffed on, um, even though you did also get that Brogdon diamond in the rough in the second round. Uh, and then more recently, it's been just a matter of like, you know, you're using draft assets to do other stuff. And again, would it have been better to, you know, pick OG Ananobi instead of DJ Wilson? Well, yeah, definitely. Right. Then you don't have to, you know, be making some of these other trades, right. Cause you, you would have developed some of that talent hopefully internally. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think if you look back again at the last, you know, five, six, seven years of the bucks in terms of their franchise, you know, it's, it is kind of remarkable that they end up winning a championship, despite the fact that they obviously got so little from the draft and really the best use of their draft picks has been trades, right? I mean, you know, trading a bunch of future assets to get Drew Holiday to help you put, put you over the top. Um, last year, you know, trading down out of the first round in the PJ Tucker trade. Uh, obviously, those are moves that, that ended up coming through and helping. And, you know, you even argue that the, the pick that they traded away to Detroit, and which eventually came, became Kevin Porter Jr., well, I mean, you use that to retain Brooke Lopez and George Hill, and that was obviously pretty important, you know, in the grand scheme of the franchise. So um, not, to, not to play the game of, like, saying that everything that happened in the past was justified because you won a championship, because, I mean, that, you know, I don't think you can necessarily judge, judge things that way, even if ultimately you got what you wanted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's, it's been a, uh, a matter of showing that it's really hard to draft talent and develop talent. Um, and it's even harder when you're getting better as a team, right? Because since 2018, they've just gotten better and better. So they're not drafting in the lottery anymore. So they're drafting lower, later, and having to use those assets more often to sort of be short-sighted. But I think in a, in a way that's kind of justifiable, right? Like, you know, when, when your window is now, you're trying to keep Giannis of course you should be, you should be looking to, to make moves to win championships now. And so um, thankfully we can look back on and say it, you know, it ultimately didn't prevent them from winning a championship, but um, I'd say certainly continuing to be competitive, winning a champion, you know, for, for championships year in and year out, it, it absolutely will, you know, be harder if they can't find at least somebody that can be kind of rotation worthy out of the draft. And, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> is, is, you know, is 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 Sandra Mamukashvili uh, going to be one of those guys? Well, I mean, the odds is, the odds are always stacked against these dudes, but um, but we'll see. I mean, they they still have some first round picks here, even though they have some. You know, they traded away obviously kind of every other year in the holiday trade, but um, they also have some swaps, which you imagine they'll just be picking late in the first round. So, um, so yeah, being able to find real assets is going to be important and. Um, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if what that really says about the Bucks, like development and coaching staff, whether they're just not good at developing young talent. Cause it's kind of, as you're alluding to, it's just, it's just a lot harder when you're trying to win games. You just can't throw Jordan war out there 20 minutes a night for, you know, two months to try to see if he's any good at basketball. Right. Like, you know, like I, I heard some references to like, well, they should have developed Jordan war last year. It's like good teams don't really do that. You know, when you're trying to win a championship, like they don't, just take random second rounders and hope that they can teach them how to play defense. Right. That's just not how kind of these hierarchies work. And that's, I don't think really also just sort of the way that coaches want to set, you know, precedence for how they're going to give out minutes. That's like, well, this random guy, we're just going to 
give minutes to, even though he doesn't play defense and sorry to every, sorry to everybody else who, who does and, you know, does the things that we want you to do. We're just going to do that this other way for, to see if this guy can, can become something better. So anyway, that was a rambling take on that one. Kane, I don't know if you have sort of additional thoughts on it. I'll get to them in just a second. But first of all, we're going to talk about rockauto.com. Our friends at rockauto.com are the family business have been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. And we know with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts? They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Because the only other thing I really had to add to that is, if you look at the Bucks over the last three years and you look at Mike Boonholzer, and I always look at coaches and I, I try and look at why coaches have a certain reputation. So one of the reputations that Bud has had as a coach is that he's a guy that doesn't really play young players. And it's like, well... Okay, but have a look at the teams that he's been coaching, the rotations that they've had, the veterans that they've had on the team, and ultimately how many games they've won. And I, I think if you look at other coaches around the league that have a similar reputation, Greg Popovich has obviously been one, always been coaching pretty good teams. Doc Rivers as well. And you can say, have your own opinion on whether these guys are good coaches or not. But it is a theme with the coaches that generally coach contending teams that young players don't get much run for the reasons that you outline there and the only situation that I think that the Bucks have really been in where a young player has had opportunities whether it comes through injury or whatever it, it, the case may be was DJ Wilson back in 2019 when he had a run of really nearly two months he was in the rotation Ersan was was out he had a broken nose DJ Wilson shot the ball terribly wasn't exactly all that reliable despite showing flashes defensively. And in the end, Bud went back to the veteran who he probably thought was more reliable and going to be the guy that he could trust a little bit more in the postseason. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. You would love to have one of those guys. And, and Mamu, if he comes in and be, he's a guy that you can, you can play, that's huge. And it was obviously huge going back a few years ago with Brogdon, as you mentioned. If you get a second rounder that becomes a genuine rotation player, it's absolute gold. But... It's just pretty rare for the teams that are uh, right up there. And, you know, as far as Jordan Wara goes, would you have played PJ Tucker ahead of, uh, sorry, Jordan Wara ahead of PJ Tucker? Probably not. What about ahead of Pat Connaughton? I don't think so. He had a pretty good postseason. So it's just not really an argument um, I could get behind there, even if long term uh, they, they put themselves under a little bit of pressure. But I think the result they got was one that you would be after. I've got the ultimate. Frank Madden question here. It comes from Jay. Let me just one one more thing to tack on there. I mean, it also this also sort of underscores like how you know it, it some of it's just a numbers game and, and you know, like you hear the 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 comment at times, you know, how it's just like, well, just just get more bite, bites at the apple, just get more picks and just, you know, mm. just see what happens, right? Because it, it's just so hard to really expect, you know, reliable results and and to really get valuable contributors, especially when you're picking later in the first round, later in the second round, et cetera. Um, and so I think there's a lot to that. Right. And, 
and you know, it only takes one guy really to sort of change the fortune of, of kind of, I think the way that your drafting and development program looks right. Um, and I think, you know, a guy we, we haven't mentioned here, a guy that the Bucks did not draft, but you know, Christian Wood was a guy that I think they, mm-hmm. they did maybe not a, in a typical way, but they had him on a summer league team. They brought him into camp. He just kept playing well, kept playing well. And they kept him through that season up until, you know, later in that season when they end up releasing him for point guard depth, actually, ironically, I think, I think it was because of the Brogdon injury in 2019 that they ended up basically having to dump Christian Wood. Now you can say, well, they hadn't gone for a Pau Gasol a little before that, you know, they could have kept them, blah, blah, blah. So we can relitigate that. But, um, but you know, it's, it's sort of one of these things, like if, if you had managed to develop Christian Wood and, you know, he became your, your backup kind of, he's basically like your Bobby Portis, right? Like th- there's actually, I think a, a fair bit of similarities between like Christian Wood and a Bobby Portis in terms of, you know, like a, what a role they could have been. Now, obviously Christian Wood's proven much better than that. I think shown that last year in Houston, but um, on a team like the Bucks, where he was obviously not going to start over Giannis and he, he wasn't going to start over Brooke Lopez, uh, you know, I think you still could have carved out a role for him like that. But instead, you know, look, he, you lose him, he gets signed by New Orleans, he gets waived by New Orleans like two months later. So it's not like, you know, the, the Pelicans <laughs> figured out like what he was. And then he goes to Detroit. And I remember he was like, I think in a battle with like Joe Johnson for the last roster spot in Detroit. And then even when he plays well in the second half of the season, Pistons are just like, yeah, we're going to sign Mason Plumlee. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's just the way these things sometimes go. And I think that's the problem with second rounders is like, we spent all this time like looking at guys and trying to say, Oh, could this guy, you know, be something, blah, blah, blah. And it's like the, the unfortunate reality is a lot of times these guys, they just have more protracted development arcs and some of them end up, you know, disappearing into the void of, you know, European basketball and you never see them again in the NBA and others, you know, bounce around a little bit and then eventually find NBA roles. But I mean, especially with these second round guys, like their contracts are two or three years. Um, so many of those guys wash out and they have to really kind of read the, the ones that, that do figure it out. I mean, it's not with their original teams, you know, it ends up being, they figure it out and they end up being pretty good with, with the team that kind of stumbled onto them after they maybe figured some things out. And so nobody wants to hear that, that it's like, well, yeah, you, you made, you may draft a, a pretty good player in the second round, but he probably won't be good for you, <laughs> for you, you know, but um, you know, I mean, we saw it even with Brogdon, Brogdon was good for the bucks, but then he ends up, you know, basically spending the prime of his career someplace else. And all you got for it was, you know, basically a first round pick that, um, that you really didn't, didn't get anything too tangible out of. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of like one of those, one of those kind of the, just the difficult aspects of, of developing players. And um, I think obviously, as you were pointing out, some of them, it's just a necessary evil of, um, of being a contending team where you just can't be very patient with people with, with young players. So um, I don't know. I feel very old saying that because when I was younger, I had like nothing was more fun than the young guys and just imagining what they could be, especially when your team wasn't very good, but you know, now that we're old and jaded and our team has won a championship, we can be a little more, maybe a little more pragmatic about it. Oh uh, yeah. There's been some young players I've uh, irrationally thought could become really something in the league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I mentioned I had the ultimate Frank Madden question here. So I, I don't know which way you're going to lean on this, but this is a question that when I read it on Twitter, I said, well, I got to ask Frank this. It comes from at Jay on the mic. He says, would you have preferred Giannis made two free throws at the end of game six to get the 51 
or does 50 points sound better than the 51? Now, the reason why I think it's the ultimate Frank Madden question, because if you added another free throw, that's, that's going to make you so happy. You're also the ultimate Yana stats, man. So 51 is better than 50, but that round 50 is pretty nice. It's pretty nice to say he dropped exactly 50 in the championship clinching game. Give me the extra free throw. Uh, I'll take the extra free throw, yeah. Uh, 51, because that would have given him the, I guess, the all-time record, right, for a closeout game because Bob Pettit had 50 in the NBA Finals. Bloody in a closeout, game. <laughs> a closeout game. So, I mean... You know, I just can't tolerate having to share that. Giannis having to share that record with Bob Pettit, right? Mm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, 50 is awesome, but uh, more, more points are better. So I would say 51. And I mean, 18 of 19 in a closeout game. I mean, that's, that's just nuts, right? Um, it was a good free throw to miss in the grand scheme of the universe, but uh, I, I still say give me the free throw. I don't know. Do you, do you feel any otherwise? Well, I have to let in a little bit of an inside story here from game six. I was watching the game at home. I thought he was on 48. I'm not going to lie. So I thought that he finished on 49. And I didn't realize that he got 50 until, and probably because I was half watching, half just completely distracted at that point. And I got a text from a friend saying, uh, just in capital letters, Giannis 50. And I was like, what the? So I had to check the box score and double check that. But I didn't know that he had 50. I thought he missed the free throw and finished on 49. So that would have been, that would have been upsetting, right? <laughs> I'm just kind of laughing at the idea that, you know, we could have been... <laughs> you would have been crying been for different reasons uh, on, that, on that post-game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still just amazing to say it, right? 50 points in a closeout game in the NBA Finals, like just... Yeah, it's it's just wild. But I, I mean, because because especially you know when you're at the game, you've got the scoreboard up there that shows everybody's mm. stats at all times. So I was very aware of it just because you know watching watching the numbers tick by on uh, on on the screen uh, uh, above my head. So, um, but but no, it's it's kind of a funny question. But but yeah, I mean, it it was really the one. It was the rare circumstance where actually missing a free throw. Like I don't I don't necessarily blame blame people for arguing that you know it may have been in a way more memorable and obviously it didn't didn't affect the outcome all right frank let's wrap it there for today we've got a bunch more questions to go through tomorrow we had a question about eric bledsoe our old friend eric bledsoe we'll talk about that uh, there was a movie question frank uh, i know i know that you're going to be excited about that or a tv show question we'll get to that in a little bit we've got the over and underline for the Bucks win total for 2022, thanks to betonline.ag. So we will get to that tomorrow as well. And what about the Bucks and pressure this season? Are they going to be better equipped to handle those situations when they're under pressure because of the championship run we've been on? And finally, uh, we will also discuss the Mike Budenholzer interview on the Zach Lowe podcast. We didn't talk about that. Did you like it? Did you think it was interesting? Did you get everything you wanted out of that? So we've got a bunch more questions to come on tomorrow's show. So make sure you check that out. But for now, for Frank and myself, stay safe, take care. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.